I did that on the radio. I did. The, I just did the radio. I was like, you know, these are professional interviews. So Dana Gould's here. <laughs> so, so do stuff, dancing yeah, exactly. monkey. Go monkey, go. Go, man. oh man. Good right. Christ. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Who wants to do the introduction? You go for it. Hey, listeners, you are not going to believe this. Well, if you if you look at the graphic at all, maybe you will believe this. We have Dana Gould joining us. We are honored and uh, thankful to have you with us. And thanks for making time. My pleasure. This is Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We typically talk about a horror movie after talking about what we've watched recently, but uh, this time we're just going to talk to Dana Gould about horror stuff because guess what? He likes exactly the same stuff we do. That is true. Now, when you said on one of your shows, uh, and I'll just let you say it, uh, like, who is your demographic when you're making a podcast? Go ahead and... Yeah, that. well, I, I, I think what I said, and I'm paraphrasing Andy Kindler, my demographic for my podcast is men my age who are me, which I think is, is it's, uh, Andy Kindler. Uh, if yeah. I had another one, <laughs> I'm open to it. Well, here's the thing. Overweight guys who don't move their arms when they walk, that might have been it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought about that. I thought, does that mean you yourself are the only one who listens to your podcast? And I thought, no, he means guys who are just like him. I'm not sure what he meant, but... The, yeah, there is a, there's a school of people, and I was uh, talking to somebody for whom uh, the, the secret password is like Forrest Ackerman. Like, uh-huh. If yes. you know that name, then you can go into this whole other world of conversation. Yeah, we know uh, Forry. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, <laughs> it's sort of like a universal password. Forrest Ackerman, oh, yeah, it's Forrest yeah, Ackerman, yeah. and then you can kind of go. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I am also, uh, uh, of a certain age that I grew up with famous monsters and, uh, you know, the, uh, creature feature and all that stuff. I was before my childhood was before video on demand. I right. was hunting the TV guide for stuff that I wanted to watch I'm- and marking it down. And, uh. Yeah, I was one of those kids. I had four older brothers, still do, and uh, my dad, and you know. But I was the only. I was very different from everybody else in my family. They were really uh, into sports and uh, athletics and fishing and hunting, mm-hmm. and that none of that stuff uh, put the wind in my kazoo. Uh, and I was a, you know, I was watching Creature Feature and Star Trek and Planet of the Apes and Star Wars when that came along. Yeah, and. And I was just talking to somebody about this this morning. Those are the things that throughout your life, you go back there and you have that little island of like, ah, yeah, this yes. is the stuff that I like. Yes. It's yeah. the, the comfort zone for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it's like mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm about two years behind you uh, age wise. And, and I can say that I remember. Boy, spe- talk about splitting hairs. <laughs> oh, God, I know. Really? Yeah. The whole, it's, it's a different generation. Yeah. You wouldn't understand. But, uh, 
but I remember like uh, Sven Gulli and Creature Features and stuff like that. Was, yeah, yeah. Like that meant a lot. I grew up in Chicago, and we had the original Sven Gulli, and then Rich came Rich along. Rich yeah. Yeah, later on. And I uh, saw you on that show, by the way. Yeah, no, the fact that I'm friends with Sven Gulli and that I get to go on that show <laughs> boggles my mind. I mean, that's the stuff, to me really means a lot, you know? And I've told him I'll take over for him if he ever wants to retire. (laughs) But I don't want to be chasing... I don't want him to think that I'm chasing him off the air. (laughs) No, no. I I like to give myself a Sven Gouldy just swinging in the on-deck circle. (laughs) Sven Gouldy, I like that. I actually have my own name. I have a totally different name for if I ever... I think that hosting horror movies is the only job that I'm actually qualified to do. And... uh, I, my, I, I, would, I would love for somebody to help me come up with a character. Um, I think his name should be Grim Doins. Grim Doins. I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. Hi, I'm Grim Doins. It's the mummy's curse. <laughs> now, when, when you did... Um, uh, with an apostrophe, of course. When you did yeah. Tale, no G. Tales of Halloween, your character was called Boris. Yeah, yeah. And he was basically uh, a Forrest Ackerman kind of old school Halloween yeah. fanatic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. That was great. My my fondest memory of shooting Tales from Halloween. Well, let me rephrase that. My uh, clearest memory <laughs> of uh, you know we shot at night and we uh, the last scene. You know, you're chasing the sunlight. And you're trying to get out of there before the sun comes up. Right. And uh, we had we shot a big fight, and at the end I got impaled, and uh, <clears throat> a bunch of <clears throat> excuse me, a bunch of blood. You know, came out. Uh, but if you don't keep your blood warm Uh-oh. and you're shooting all night in December, uh, when that stuff comes out, it is freezing oh, and man. it came out and went all, I forget how they did it, but it, it went down my back <laughs> and down right. Yeah. And it like made the full circle <laughs> Just, and, uh, it was a, that was a wake up call. Now, this was kind of the who's who of Hollywood horror nerds, wasn't it? Yes, it was, very much so. I made a lot of friends on that, uh, uh, people that I knew of but didn't know. Yeah. And um, uh, Mike Mendez, who, uh, Mad Mad Mendez, yeah. uh, he was one of the producers, and he directed Big Ass Spider and Don't Kill It. Yeah. And uh, we've since become very good friends. He actually is writing an episode of Stand Against Evil Season oh, 3. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very. Uh, I actually have to. I have, one of the things I have to do today is read his script. <laughs> when you're not busy doing important media uh, like this. Yeah, no, it's, I'm very, very, I'm very happy to. Uh, I'm very happy to be so busy because when I'm not busy, nobody wants that. No. Yeah. No. Me with a lot of free time on my hands. You don't want to be around that. No. Now, I noticed in the crowd oh, that was cheering on the fight was uh, Sean Clark. Have you ever watched his show, uh, Horrors Hallowed Grounds? No. No, oh, I haven't. This is amazing. He does this web-based uh, show where he goes out and he's like, he's a serious horror nerd. And, uh-huh. and uh, um, he goes out to all of the locations and he finds ones that he shouldn't oh, really be able to him. find. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, anyone who's really into that kind of thing would just love his show. And it's, you know, short episodes. Yeah, sure. But uh, it's really cool. I think the coolest thing I ever did in those regards is uh, my friend Brian, uh, who owns the Lawgiver from Planet of the Apes uh-huh. and has a freakish collection. I mean, wow. Yeah, his collection is mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went out to Malibu Creek uh, State Park, which used to be the 20th Century Fox Ranch, and we went to 
the location of Ape City. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And you can clearly see it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is this was it. And um, I was hoping to find a chunk of Ape City. <laughs> and you can't avoid it. It's all over the place. <laughs> oh. It's ubiquitous because they built it and then they kept it there. And then in, they bulldoze it in like 1975 after the TV show wrapped. And uh, then uh, 20th Century Fox donated that land to the state of California. Uh, and it's all over the place. It's just these chunks of concrete uh, and rebar. Yeah. Uh, and chicken wire. Because uh, they sprayed it on. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's just all over the place. And so I, uh, we went there and I walked out with like a 35-pound backpack <laughs> full of Ape City. And would keep it in my garage in a box and just give it to people when they'd come over. And, hey, you want a chunk of Ape City? Like, yeah. And I had, of course, I had my own nice little piece. And I just did the 50th anniversary screening of Planet of the Apes at USC. Oh, wow. Um, as Dr. Sayas, <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. uh, which is another whole other story. Um, but the panel was mind-boggling. The panel was Dan Strepeck, who ran the makeup unit at Fox. He was the guy that hired John Chambers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Krieber, who was the production designer. And then Matt Reeves, who directed War and Dawn. Rupert Wyatt, who directed Rise, Rick Jaffa, who co-wrote it, was one of the producers. Wow. I mean, just it was this all-star lineup, and then I came out at the end as Zayas. Right. Oh, and they didn't. They knew that a guy was coming on as Zayas, but they didn't know who, and they didn't know what he was going to do. And <laughs> I was funnier than they were expecting, so that worked out great. <laughs> at one point, because he's Doctor Zayas, I said to him, and this is all on YouTube. You can see it on YouTube. But I said to Matt Reeves, I said, "Now, Matt, do you have an iPhone or an Android?" And he said, I, I have an iPhone. I said, so you could have called me. You just didn't. <laughs> and, and he just looked at me and he went, who are you? <laughs> it was really funny. But um, my friend Mark Tavares, who's a brilliant uh, artist, um, uh, had one of the chunks of Ape City that I had given him. And he brought it with him for Bill Krieber to sign. Oh, wow. And, uh, and Bill Krieber looked at it and he went, yep, that's the color. <laughs> perfect production designer's comment yep, yeah that's the color <laughs> so this is everything uh that, that you pictured was going to happen in your adult life when you were a kid it's yeah. i did not i didn't i did not it didn't work out the way i thought it was going to work out my life but it worked out not as not as successful but much better right. <laughs> you know, i just assumed i was going to be a big movie star Oh, oh, okay. Uh, and uh, but uh, instead, but the stuff that I've been able to do is so much cooler than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, no, I'm I'm really uh, happy and lucky, and I. But it's also again, I was talking to somebody about this this morning, and this your this podcast is a perfect example. It, it's a cliche, but if you just keep doing the stuff that you really love, that's what generates. Every time I've written a script or taken a job that was just like, eh, it's a job. I'll do it. It never, yeah. go, you know, it's, mm-hmm. if your heart's not in it, you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no reason to pursue a bunch of stuff strictly for the money aspect of it. Yeah. And I know a lot of friends that are much more successful than I will ever be. And they, but their passion is making money uh-huh. and, and, and uh, accumulating power and, 
they're great at it, but they're not, you know, they're passionate about golf and money. Right. Mm. I'd rather saw my head off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does it's, Mark Twain say? Golf is a good walk, Brian. Oh, is that that's yeah. fantastic? Yeah. Um, I believe he also said a cat is the only animal that could sit on your lap and ignore you. Ah, that's good. <laughs> he has never been to the spearmint rhino, my friend. Ah. <laughs> um, I think that was Mark Twain. Yeah, it could, it, it could have been Will Rogers. So, yeah. or, Sounds like Mark Twain. Yeah. The Val Kilmer Mark Twain, not the Hal Holbrook Mark Twain. Right. Or the Dr. Zayas Mark Twain, which is also on YouTube. <laughs> a Dr. Zayas Mark Twain. Oh, that was the origin of my doing Dr. Zayas. Oh, Zayus. okay. Uh, years ago, when I was a writer on the Ben Stiller show, I had this idea for a, a, a sketch that it would be a, a commercial for Planet of the Apes, the musical. This is before The Simpsons. Right. Okay. And so it would, you know, it's like when... Uh, when a musical, like when Hamilton comes to town, they do a commercial yeah. and it's clips of the, the play. And I thought that would be great to do for the show. And it would just give us a chance to dress up and get the makeup going and, and do oh. all that stuff. And, and Ben loves all that stuff too. Um, and, and then, but we needed a, a, what we call a tag. So you do the first one and then the second act, you do another one. So it was the second act of the show would have been from the producers of Planet of the Apes, the musical, uh, uh, Hal Holbrook is Dr. Zayas as Mark Twain tonight. But no, it was, no, it was Dr. Zayas is Hal Holbrook as Mark, Mark Twain, Twain tonight. tonight. It started with Dr. Zayas. <laughs> and I would do that. And the show got canceled before we got a chance to Aww. do that sketch. But years later, I was talking to John Hodgman, and somehow uh, there's, a, there's a picture of uh, James Whitmore from Planet of the Apes reading the biography of Mark Twain. And he found this and put it out on the internet. I want somebody doing Dr. Zayas doing Mark Twain. And then we were talking about something completely different on the phone. And I said, you know, that's a sketch that I wrote 20 years ago yeah. for the Ben Stiller show. And he said, I'm doing a, a live show at Sketchfest. Could Would you do it for that? And I was getting ready to say, like, no, that's crazy. <laughs> and then I thought, well, wait a minute. I, and this is a good example of that. I have access to that level of makeup and wardrobe because I'm really good friends with everybody at KNBFX. Right. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Howard and Greg are my really, really close friends. And, uh, and Andy Schoenberg, I knew, had the wardrobe and had the makeup because he plays Dr. Zayas in Greg Nicotero's short film, United Monster Talent Agency. Right. Uh, where I play the Wolfman, who's on your arm. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I thought, well, I would... I, I would have to call Greg, see if Andy would do it. Then I'd have to fly up. I'd fly Andy up, put everybody up. But it was like, yeah, when else does this opportunity come exactly. along? We're, yeah. we're going we're to do it. We're going to do it. And at the time, I was, you know, hot off the Simpsons, and I, I could afford it. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, the thing about it is, the makeup is exactly what they had in the movies. It doesn't look like a crappy version of Planet of the Apes. No. Makeup. It is exactly what they had in the movies. No. Yeah, it's, it's very accurate. Yeah, and so when they, John introduced me, and I had a, I went to Western Costume and rented the Mark Twain suit, and, <laughs> and it was a lot of effort. But when John introduced me and I walked out, and it took like five seconds for the audience to realize that it, it wasn't, crappy mask that it was the real thing and just the 
the wave of like the laughter and the applause. And then I had memory, you know, then I learned a big chunk of Mark Twain tonight and performed it. Yeah. And it was one of, you know, like one of the top five, like live performance things that I ever did. And it's on YouTube and it's, you know, you can find it on YouTube, but it was, uh, it was, it was one of those things where like, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of money. I didn't make a dime, but it was so worth it. It was, it was the, totally, the yeah. craziest thing. The weird side story is, it was Sketchfest in San Francisco, and all your friends are up there, you know. And Paul F. Tompkins' father had passed away. Oh, no. And I hadn't seen Paul. And then I was in the green room in full Dr. Sayus makeup, and Paul came in, and I said, Look, man, I know this is not the right time, but I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about your father. And it was like he had to. It was like we. It was the. I had to say something, but I was. And it was. Oh, of course. It was the most ridiculous moment. Oh my god. And he's like, oh, do it again, Isaiah. Yeah, no, yeah. It was. It was really. It was, and uh, he was recently writing about it, and uh, I remembered it. It was. It was like I had to say something, but it was. A, of course, yeah. yeah. I'm really sorry about the. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> but that's a good example of, uh, and and then from that I developed this weird side career of, then when Joel uh, and then uh, Wayne Fetterman, the comedian, mm-hmm. has a big Christmas show every year at Largo, and he said, "Would you be interested?" Paul Williams is going to be on, and Paul Williams played the orangutan Virgil in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. So he said, "Would you want to do that thing again?" Because he had he was in San Francisco, and. Uh, I said, yeah, sure, yeah, definitely. And I had another bit prepared, which was uh, Dr. Zayas is William... No, it was... I'm going to get... It was Dana Gould is Dr. Zayas as William Shatner performing the night before Christmas. Right. Oh, okay. And so Zayas comes out in a tuxedo like Rocket Man, and he is doing... Was the night before Christmas and all through the house, <laughs> and then and then he stops. He goes, "Can I just ha- can I interrupt for one second? And then he does a riff about how ridiculous the, that poem is. And then I step out and I talk, and then he goes back into Zayas and then back into William Shatner, and it's a Russian doll. Right. And, um, as and uh, I'm going to name drop, but uh, John Landis went not too specific, <laughs> and. Uh, um, and, and then from that, Joel Hodgson asked me to do it on the Mystery Science Theater Telethon. And then somehow somebody oh, at yeah. Turner Classic Movie saw that and said, could we interview you as Dr. Zayas when we do Planet of the Apes for our big screen festival? And then oh, oh man. I've yeah. done it, and then that got to USC. I've done it like seven times now. <laughs> getting, getting used to the makeup, aren't you? Okay, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, on my Facebook fan page there's a video a time-lapse video of the of them doing it and this was just two weeks ago for uh for usc it was i really want to do either like a one-man show of him but like just stories of him in hollywood and like just like make up a bunch of like how he was you know with the manson family before they turned crazy and just like all these weird like just being an actor in hollywood in the 60s or do like a fernwood tonight level talk show right like yeah dr zayas tonight i thought would be really oh that'd be really good yeah Yeah. i've got to do i'm absolutely positively going to do one of them i don't know which one i'm gonna do i think a 70s talk show would be perfect yeah if if dr zayas yeah who else is here tonight you have people on stage smoking (laughs) yeah exactly that's exactly what it is total that's exactly what you have it exactly and that's what he does when uh he does 
personal appearances now when he when he they interviewed me for TCM and when I did it at USC. Uh, he's just like a 70s celebrity. And he's like, you know, oh. I live up in Ojai now. I have Suzanne Flechette's old place. And uh, <laughs> we're next door to Peter Strauss, who has his own vineyard, but he, he doesn't. Uh, I'm, we're not talking because there's an easement issue and he's being a real <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yes, yes, perfect. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's really fun. Don't ever buy a house from Alan Alda unless you want to be an escrow the rest of your life and then absolutely <laughs> go ahead and do it. <laughs> so it's really and they didn't know what to make of it. They, the, the, one of the things that I said on this panel, I really made Dan Streepeck laugh, which is a crazy thing. I, I said, you know, a lot of people don't realize this in the film. That Linda Harrison, who played Nova, was at the time was dating, was engaged to Dick Zanuck, who ran the studio. <laughs> and I went, what are the odds? <laughs> and, and Dan Streepak, who was like 84 years old, was like, <laughs> He just thought it was the funniest thing, yeah. which just made me laugh, because I, I didn't know if they were going to get me at all. And yeah. then I started to get really arcane, and I literally think the last joke I said at the end of it, you have to watch the whole thing. If you watch the panel on YouTube, I don't come out for like an hour. Uh, but then I said, uh, "Let me." we're running out of time, but I'd love to tell you about how I, uh, I lost a very expensive wristwatch in Elkie Summer's hot tub. <laughs> it's a great story. It involves me, Jack Parr, and amyl nitrate. <laughs> and then they said, all right, we're going to go. So were you always, did you always gravitate to Dr. Zayas as your favorite ape? No, I didn't. No, Cornelius, well, Caesar from Conquest was my favorite ape always. Yeah. Uh, But he's, but, and it's funny because, yeah, I like Cornelius and then I like Caesar. Uh, But uh, in the, I, I guess it's in Behind the Planet of the Apes, the documentary, he talked about how Cornelius was a really boring character to play, and he was very happy when Caesar came along. Oh. And he liked Galen from the TV show the most in oh. terms of mm. to, to play. And if you look, yeah, Caesar Cornelius as an actor is a pretty boring character. He's a, yeah. he's a very quiet, thoughtful, kind of conservative guy. And uh, uh, Zaius has just lent himself to... Being, to sending to being a send up, he's just there's right. something innately ridiculous about that character. Yeah, he's pretty stuffy. It. He's stuffy and he's stuffy. the voice is great, and you can see him. He's a pompous windbag, and that goes along too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's really uh, it's really different. Um, I'm one of the other weird jobs that I'm doing of the many weird jobs that I'm doing uh, is I'm adapting Rod Serling's first draft of the. Script I to as ask a you about graphic that. novel. Yeah, wow. I, I'm quite literally. I think I'm going to finish today or tomorrow. Um, and and doing that, it's a very different story than. The, well, it's, no, it's the same story but told very differently. Right. It's a different tone. It takes place in a modern city like New York. They, there's a lot of hell. <laughs> this movie would have had a big helicopter budget. There's a lot of helicopters. <laughs> um, and but in writing it and breaking it down, because you know, for a, a graphic novel, you only have one action per panel. You know, you have five oh, or six yeah. panels per page. Yeah, you have limited. Di- you can't write reams and reams of dialogue because it's going to fit into a balloon, and you can't eclipse the action. Yeah, right. So you get one, so you get five or six, you know you get one to six panels a page. You have limited dialogue and one action per panel. So you mm-hmm. really you know, you've got to sift through the script and boil it down. And, and, you know, and Rod and this, it was a first draft and there are speeches and speeches and speeches and speeches. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
you and what I saw doing is that the Cornelius really is uh, a, it's a it's a tricky character to make interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Jolien has uh, tackled some uh, some comic book stuff where I think they've thrown more than what should fit in a yeah. <laughs> in a page. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always go. The bad example is, uh, and I'm from Hell. That whole segment in From Hell about the Lum- Illuminati and stuff, where it just looks—it really looks like the phone book. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know. You'd... And there's additional volumes with just appendices. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of. Uh, um, we had him on. We had him on The Simpsons, and we had him record a, a serious reading of the theme music for Little Lulu. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Little Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> So I was thinking that years in the future at, at your memorial, someone's going to say... <laughs> Hopefully many years. <laughs> like, yes, I hope so. Uh, all he really wanted to do was play Urko. Urko. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember, this is a weird memory. I don't know why I remember it, but I do. Um, was a kid, uh, 1975. No, 74. And it was a commercial for the Planet of the Apes TV series. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, Tonight on Planet of the Apes, uh, you know, uh, astronauts are trapped in a world of intelligent apes. <laughs> and then the clip of the show was, they've been subject to brainwashing. And Urko says, is that where they remove the brain and, and dunk it in cold water? <laughs> and my dad just went, intelligent, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Really <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really fucking smart. Yeah, he's really smart. These <laughs> <laughs> apes are smart. Be careful, those apes are smart. <laughs> is the, uh, but he did take me to see them at the drive-in, so I credit where credit is due. <laughs> For sure. He probably didn't want to go. Was the uh, Rod Ster- Serling uh, uh, first draft uh, closer to the book? Yeah, it is. Book, in the da- it, where they're the- a little more like... This is a future world where everything's become sort of... Yeah, I can show so, it to you. It's a, it, I can show it to you in a minute. Oh, well, fantastic. Um, there's, there's a December 64 draft and a March 65 draft. And yeah. They're huge. They're like 148 pages. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they're massive drafts. And yeah, it takes place in the city, but it's different. Here's the... I guess this is going to be mostly about Planet of the Apes. Um, <laughs> it's a horror movie, right? Yeah. So, well, it's... It, it, if you're into horror movies and you don't like Planet of the Apes, I've, I've never met you. Yeah. Um, the book, Pierre Boulle didn't think it was his uh, a significant work. He thought it was one of his minor yeah. works. Um, and uh, he looked at it as a Gulliver's Travels, kind of like his version of Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. It was just a kind of a fantasy and, a, and an allegory. It was an allegory. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, fell from, man fell from dominance because he didn't use his intelligence. Yeah, it was, exactly. It was an yeah. And what's really interesting about what Serling did with it was it, it's a political thriller. It, it's really, you can see that this is the guy that wrote seven days in May. Yeah. Uh, right. There's a lot of uh, meetings and conference rooms and cars driving through the city at night and people in trench coats. It's, it's a, it's a political thriller. Wow. Yeah. Uh, very much so. And then for several reasons, um, Michael Wilson came on and turned it into the, the movie that we know. And love. There is a lot of Serling stuff. Mm-hmm. The entire structure of the piece is is Rod Serling's. It's yeah. not the structure of the novel. No. And uh, I mean, it, it. It. There's everything in the movie is different from the Serling script, but the 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 everything happens in the same order. Oh, okay. And there's a lot of dialogue stuff that is 
uh, uh, you know, I'd love to kiss you, but you're so damned ugly. That's Serling. That's right out of the book. Yeah. That's right out of the book. I mean, that's right out of his script. His script, yeah. yeah. It's been, I read the book when I was in high school. Yeah, Phyllis and Jin and Ulysses Moreau and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Same I mean, thing. I haven't read it in, in, in ages. a long, long time. But I always yeah. was taken by the, the, yeah, man's been fallen from his top. Yeah, right it just, because he's it's actually the one that not makes thinking. the most sense. <laughs> exactly. And they've yeah. become more of a, a sort of racial issue. In, in the later movies, I feel. Uh, yeah, totally. Well, that, that is the amazing thing about the movies is that they were able to, and, and good horror movies do this too. Shin Godzilla is a great example of this, where you can use it as a medium to talk about the culture and, and the, that you live in. And, and uh, you know, a movie, for it to be galvanizing, and I even run into this on Stand Against Evil, which is a comic book of a TV show. Yeah. But it has to be about something. Uh, and if it's not about something... It just doesn't stick. And I learned a lot from John McGinley on the the pilot of Stand Against Evil because my show starts with this. The, the premise of the show, very briefly for people who aren't familiar with it, is... Uh, the, what if my dad had to? What if my dad was Buffy the Vampire Slayer? What if Archie Bunker had to fight monsters? Right. And the premise comes from he was a sheriff, and there was a curse on this town on the sheriffs from a witch burning two hundred or four hundred years ago, and his wife used to fight demons to protect him. Yeah. And then she passed away, and he's left open fighting these demons that he doesn't know how to fight. And and I did that just because. I didn't want to deal with the character of the wife and I thought it would be great for him to be a broken person. Yeah. And that would allow him to be the asshole that he is. And he is an asshole. <laughs> not that I'm not that my dad's an asshole, but the character of Stan is an asshole. Yeah. My dad's not an asshole. Um, but just that character made into a cartoon. Uh huh. And I, that's why I didn't really deal with the wife. And when I met with John McGinley for the first time, all he did was ask me about his relationship with his wife. And I was just making it up as I went along. Oh, yeah, well, sure. Um, but what John realized is that, <clears throat> that the whole series was about this guy processing loss. Right. The whole story was about how this guy processed the loss of his wife. And that made it such a better show. Because he wanted to know where the character was coming from. Yeah, he's a real actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a writer that does some acting. I'm ah. not a real actor. Uh, he's a real actor. And... What he did, though, the work that he did grounded the show and allowed not only not only did it allow uh, uh, the the show to to have a a really healthy arc, but it allowed Janet Varney, who's the co-star, to uh, to let to leaven it, uh, to lighten it. And uh, um, what Janet does wouldn't have worked if John wasn't so grounded, ah, you know, yeah. it's, it's really, uh, it works, uh, brilliantly. A, a great example would be, and I'm not comparing Janet to this character at all, but if you saw war for the planet of the apes, bad ape works because everything else is just so goddamn heavy. Yeah. Uh, that, that bad ape really lifts that thing up. And that's what Janet does on the show. She, she comes in there like a pro every time. Yeah. Yeah. You need that levity. Yeah, you do. And, and, and it's, you know, but it, it but it it only works when everything else is grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Richard Dreyfus and Jaws is all of that stuff on the boat in Jaws is really funny because you 
believe the situation that you're oh, in. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when you're in a crappy movie that's not grounded, those things always fall flat. Yeah. Because they're not grounded in anything. You really have to dig a hole first, and then you can do that stuff. And it seems like, to McGinley, there's no small part. Like, if you look at his performance in Office Space... Yes, that's Yeah, John. like, that's yeah. that's so perfect. It's yeah, like, he's... No, he, he digs in. And he's that guy. When that camera's on, he's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a really gifted... Uh, he's a gifted guy. I was really, really lucky to get him. Yeah, even, even just, like, I'm sure every day on set, at, at, uh, on Scrubs, I'm sure he was just like, what is this guy... What, what's he thinking? What's he feeling? Yeah, and he's... You know, he told me... He has a he has a drive for the character, you know, and, and and the drive in the first season for Stan was to get in his chair. He just wanted to be in his chair watching television. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and because that was his medication yeah. to, to not deal with it, what he was going through and everything else that happened to him. It was just getting in the way of what he wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure uh, Dr. Cox had one. I'm, I'm assuming it was I don't want anybody talking to me, but I'd have to check with John. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, he he always kept that moving forward with the same. I mean, it, 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 you could look at one season to the next. And yeah, it was always this the same kind of momentum, the same uh, kind of focus. It yeah, seemed. he's great. I'm really lucky that he's also like a really good, really great guy. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, that can be a hard. Oh my god! Slog. I couldn't imagine working with someone you didn't. Yeah, get yeah, along just, with behind. Yeah, the well, camera. you just you read these nightmare stories about these people that are just bananas and yeah. just like, oh God, thank God it's not. Thank God I haven't had to deal with it. Yeah. I'm not dealing with Val Kilmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Marlon Brando on yeah. the set of... Yeah, we saw the same documentary. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what I was thinking oh, of. Oh, yeah. God, that's nobody's, true. Nobody's setting anybody's hair on fire with a cigarette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, was, that was important. And they go through all that stuff, and then they talk about they fire him. He's been shooting for two days. <laughs> what? It sounded like it was six months. No, oh. just two days. Man, have to disguise yourself and sneak back onto yeah. your set. Richard, Richard Stanley or Staley or Stanley? Stanley, Stanley. Yeah. 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 He took me out to see uh, Alien 3. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Alien Cubed. The poor guy. He was yeah. just so... I hope he's doing better now, but in that documentary, he's just so beaten. Oh, I know. It's... Yeah, he, he was living up a, a hill in France for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's smoking a lot of cigarettes yeah <laughs> that's a, well that's a great example of something things are what they are and they're not other things you know the island of dr moreau is not an a-list movie with a-list stars it's, yes, no he had really interesting ideas for yeah it. it's a comic book and yeah you play it like a very grounded serious comic book it's an oingo boingo song yeah it really is and you but but if that movie would have worked if you played it like a comic book but seriously right um it's not you know it's like we got marlon brando well that's great but he's not the right guy for this it's like mm -hmm. we got keith richards in our polka band well <laughs> he's not a good polka player you know yeah um we got we got some damn uh, billionaire for president yeah exactly sometimes yeah well it's like anything else we love that song let's make it a movie no it's a song oh, yes <laughs> yeah before, you know. before but we... that piano would make a great lamp. <laughs> Why? Well, it's such a good piano. <laughs> before we get too far from Planet of the Apes, yeah. uh, for any listeners who don't know, uh, you actually ended up living in Roddy McDowell's house. <laughs> yes, I did. Again, I sound really... <laughs> like you're stalking yeah, Planet and, of the Apes? Yeah, that was a complete accident. That was a complete accident. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tell us how uh, much of an my accident. My wife and I... 
Well, my wife and I were looking for a house. We were, you know, we're living in a house, but we were getting ready to start our family and we knew we needed a bigger house than the one we lived in. So we looked around and, and we, you know, you have to decide what neighborhood, what part of LA you want to live in. And I didn't want to live in the Palisades. I didn't want to live in Brentwood. I, I wanted to live, you know, east and, or in the valley. Really wanted to live in the valley. And so we found this really great house that was, in the valley, but up in the hills. Mm-hmm. But so it was like, but I, but it would be a place where my kids would grow up knowing normal people. Not everybody's dad was a lawyer right. and a doctor, you know, yeah. I wanted to know real people. And so we're looking at the house and it was a little bigger than we w- needed at the time, but we knew we were going to grow into it. So we were debating it. And then the guy said, uh, uh, this house used to belong to uh, a, a pretty famous actor, this guy, Roddy McDowell. <laughs> I could, I knew exactly where we were standing when he said it. We were in the dining room, and I could feel my wife, like her head ratchet around like an owl spying a field mouse. And but because it's also not, it's my favorite movie. It's also her dad's favorite movie. Oh, yeah, my my uh, and and that was that was the, it. And then it was all a matter of like, well, we're gonna we, we got to do it. Yeah, yeah. we got to do this. Thing. Yeah. And we did a giant remodel on it. Um, the guy that bought it from Roddy did what we call an Ikea flip. Uh, uh, yeah. And then mm. we spent a fortune undoing what they did and then redoing it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like when and then some... we got divorced and I moved out, oh. <laughs> but I'm still there every day. Uh, my, yeah, they still live there and I'm down there all the time. Yeah. But you're now up in now I live, drive. Now I live in David Watson's house who played, Cornelius and Beneath. (laughs) (laughs) Total coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm in Andy Serkis's house. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. He 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 doesn't know it. (laughs) He's so busy with that mocap stuff all the time. (laughs) He's never home. Yeah. He never notices somebody lives in his house. Peyton Reed, who directs uh, Ant Man movies and other things, he's a really good friend. He's a big apes guy. And we went to see. Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes together. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a bad night. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, he had the funniest thing after we went to see, and then we saw Rise as like a palate cleanser. And uh, he's thought of what he goes, it would have been so funny if at the end of Rise that Caesar spoke, but he still had Roddy McDowell's voice. So it was this big photorealistic chimp, and then Caesar is home. Like this (laughs) lilting high. So here's what needs to happen. Forceful yet effeminate. They need to they need to remake Planet of the Apes with Nicolas Cage, as I don't know who would he be best as Cornelius? Is he too tall for that part? I think Nicolas Cage in a one man Planet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just Nicolas Cage a one man show. Yeah, yeah. He has to do all his own makeup though. Like I heard he did on Ghost Rider. He uh, he showed up wearing like a black helmet and then like painted his face with glow paint or something and some crazy jacket he made out of chicken yeah, bones yeah, yeah, or you know, something you, yeah so we, we have people that do this we have people that do this yeah yeah I've, I've run into that in my storied career i got my own makeup yeah yeah that's not how we do this <laughs> yeah look lon cheney senior <laughs> yeah 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 you don't yeah. need to. Look, I've seen plenty of movies. I think I know how to apply makeup. <laughs> Those are two totally different things. Lon Chaney was born pretty near here, wasn't he? He was, was yeah. Colorado Springs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't um, Cassandra Peterson from there, too? If she, I remember right? I think so, yeah. Both yeah. posed in Hustler. Yeah. Oh, together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that's, that's one of the many weird things about The Wolfman, which is uh, one of my favorite movies is you have this incredibly British man, Claude Rains, 
Yes. His son, Lon Chaney Jr., who was like, if an eagle and an apple pie had a baby. <laughs> John, Hello, Larry. Hiya, Pop! Like, he doesn't even try it. He's, he's just like Andy Hardy. Golly gee willikers, that's some telescope there, Daddy-o. <laughs> yes, isn't it? Could he be more of a stalker with that telescope? It's so creepy. I did, it's it, so unsettling. You know, didn't notice it when I was a kid, but man. Yeah, there's a lot. And then there's that, and my favorite part of that movie is that the first time he changes into the Wolfman, he's... Wearing uh, like uh, tan pants and a wife beater. Mm-hmm. And then when they cut to him outside, he's in dark pants and a dark shirt. So he turned into the wolf man and then he changed. Mm-hmm. And he got dressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holding up, uh, holding outfits up to the mirror. Uh, it's a little chilly. I have to show you this yeah. screen capture from uh, um, Amazon Prime. Uh, it's 100 Years of Horror, which came out in 1997. But uh, I want you to, I'll zoom this. The spelling is Jesus. That's the that's the porn version. Yeah. Long Cheney. Long Cheney. Long Cheney Jr. <laughs> and that I mean, just supposedly Lon liked to get drunk and wrestle. <laughs> he liked to get drunk and wrestle Broderick Crawford. Yeah, I, I heard that he tried to throw uh, um, Bela Lugosi. Um, well, yeah. yeah, he was a goofy dude. He, there's all the stories, like, but Bob Burns knew him, and Bob Burns spe- speaks very well of him. I, uh-huh. I, I think he was, he was um, a very simple man, mm-hmm. and I don't say that in a negative way. I, no, I, 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 he just he was he was a ham and egger, as Bruce Campbell uh, would say. Yeah, he was a ham and egger, and uh, I, I don't think uh, stardom fit him well. I think he was, mm. and he was like his best friend was Broderick Crawford, who's just he's just big dudes. You know, yeah, they should have done like a show about truck drivers. They would have been awesome. That would have been perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah they would just. Uh, they apparently, didn't like Evelyn Anchors either. Oh, yeah, and he used to call Bella Lugosi pops. That really annoyed Bella Lugosi. <laughs> Hiya, pops. <laughs> I uh, can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. When you, when you start to dig too deep into those old movies, you find out all kinds of stuff. Well, there's a great, um, but there's also you know because we live in this constantly evolving culture that these things that just like they drop like anchors in planet of the apes there's this horrible horrible passage where charlton heston is just before the trial he's talking to nova and he goes did i tell you about Stuart? there was a lovely girl she was the most precious cargo we brought along yeah she was to be the new eve with our hot and eager help of course i was like really uh. <laughs> Did I she bet, know this? Yeah, I bet, I bet she thought she was the botanist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's break the seal on Operation New Eve and see what this is all about. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think that's exactly what the, her gig was. <laughs> no. So have you, uh, a little off the subject, but, you know, we're talking about horror movies. Yeah. Have you gotten the Criterion Collection of... Um, uh, Carnival of Souls. Yes, I'm. I'm in it. You're yeah. on it. Yes, <laughs> I'm on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you, that's right. Because yeah, they're I'm like, in the, I'm did, in the DVD extras. Yeah, he did tell me. Did you watch the extras? I'm like, what? There were extras on that. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Is that picture stunning or what? It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah, and, and I w- and I was telling these guys that I got my uh, Night of Living Dead, and I was like. I did the same thing. I started it and I stood where I started it and stared at the About screen. Six and, inches from the yeah, screen. Yeah, it's so beautiful. You know, like, it's it's so and and I'll tell you another movie that just looks gorgeous. 
is Plan Nine from Outer Space. It actually shot really well. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, for what it is, it's the Milo looks great. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, that came about because the people, some of the people at Criterion listen to my podcast, and they, I talk about the movie a lot. Yeah. And they said, you're a fan. We have all of this very dry information about <laughs> Herc Harvey's company, uh, Citron, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we want to try to get it across in an entertaining way. Could we interview you? I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, then they sent me a bunch. Yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. And the, yeah. But again, the creepy neighbor. Mm-hmm. The, 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 oh, oh yeah. yes. Yeah. of creeps. Yeah. Yeah. There's Mick, Mick Rapey, we call him. <laughs> I, d- I forgot all about how creepy that guy was. Yes. Yeah. And, and so Jolien loans me his copy of the DVD or the Blu-ray. Yeah. And I'm watching it going, I don't fucking remember this guy. Oh, yeah. And he's so, uns- he's so unsettling. And apparently, like in real life, was a lovely guy. It was like yeah. an acting teacher. And, like, oh, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I wonder yeah. how many people have had to live with that that creep thing because of one role. Well, Andy uh, uh, Robinson, who played the Scorpio, Scorpio. Killer in Dirty Harry, oh. uh, and, and is in the first Hellraiser. But like that was it for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he was just so good. He got Jethro yeah. Bodine. He got Jethro Bodine. He got he got totally Bodine. <laughs> he got Bodine. <laughs> he got totally Bodine. Yeah, that's exactly right. He just couldn't. Yeah. People it. could not see him as anything else. He's, yeah. I mean, it takes a lot to upstage Clint Eastwood in oh. his prime. Oh, yeah. sure. You know, and he does. Um, uh, yeah, that happens a lot. But it's good to be. There was a story, and I don't know if it's true, and I can, <laughs> um, that uh, Mark Hamill was kind of annoyed that he was just being typecast as Luke Skywalker and that. This, this story might be completely false. That's all right. It's a story that I heard that, you know, Harrison Ford was moving and Mark Hamill was kind of stuck being Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And they sent him over to, to talk to Mel Brooks, who was running, who was like the biggest guy in the Fox lot at that time. And he was king of the, king of the lot. And, uh, and he said uh, to Mark, goes, yeah, drive up and down Hollywood Boulevard. You know, you see a lot of actors that aren't Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, they're not working today. Like, yeah, you're, you're working today. And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're working. Yeah, what are you complaining about? Sound advice, isn't it? Yeah. Now you mentioned Myla earlier. Should we refer to her as Vampira or? Myla? Yeah, what, I don't care. Yeah, either way. I know she doesn't. <laughs> as my uh, boss said the other day uh, at work in the museum, they asked this artist, "Is she still living?" And he said, "No, she's still dead." <laughs> <laughs> I heard the funniest story. The funniest story last night. I was a comedian in Boston that I started out with a guy named Don Gavin. Just just comic, really funny guy. Yeah. And a friend of ours, his father passed away. Mm -hmm. So Don goes to the the wake and they walk in and there's this long card. And at the end of the room, there's the casket with the lid open. And Don goes, is that him? I certainly hope so. Was he dressed as Doctor Zane? <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a funny guy. Is that him? <laughs> so, how did you meet Vampira Myla Nermi? Oh, um, well, it was, it was right around 1994-95 when Ed Wood came out, and I was doing a thing for the Sci-Fi Channel called the Big Scary Movie Show, and it was basically. Um, it was sort of a, my salute to 
the people that did that hosted horror movies. Right. Yeah. And I, I wanted to do it. And so for Halloween week in 1995, or I guess 95, uh, I hosted Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein. Yeah. And it was sort of, it was a almost a video version of what my podcast became. And that uh, I, I would interview, like I interviewed Clive Barker for Bride of Frankenstein. I interviewed John Landis for The Wolfman. I interviewed, um, I think, Bob Burns for The Creature from the Black Lagoon. And for Dracula, I interviewed Myla Nurmi uh, because she worked with him in Plan 9. And she was the first horror movie host. And this whole show was a salute to horror movie hosts. Right. Oh, perfect. Um, my friend Carol Hernandez knew Myla. Carol worked at Hollywood Book and Poster. Oh, wow. And her husband, Gilbert Hernandez, Hernandez is the, the comic, comic book artist. Yeah. Right? Love and Rockets. Yeah. With his, brother, uh, with his brother, Jaime. So I said to Carol, like, can I, if I wrote a letter to Myla, because she didn't have a phone, could you get it to her? And she goes, yes. Yeah. So I wrote her a letter, and then Myla wrote me back, and I just, like, I can pay $1,000. It was, it was like getting at Bella Lugosi, the star in Glenn or Glenda. I can pay $1,000. Yeah. You know, we'd love to have you interviewed and blah, blah, blah. She came down. Um, uh interviewed her uh she didn't have a phone and then after i interviewed her i wrote her a letter to say thank you she wrote me back and we became pen pals oh okay and about once a month i take her to lunch at Musso and frank's oh yeah. cool and then just you know our friendship developed and became genuine and i didn't want anything from her oh certainly and that was the cons- but that, and that's why we stayed friends because people would come in, people would come into her life get what they wanted and take off and uh i didn't want anything from her and uh so we stayed friends. Yeah, we were friends for the rest of our life. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I, I did see in the um, uh, Vampire and Me documentary where, oh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. it shows some footage of the funeral and you were there. And, and I, I just thought, you know, that's that's got to be surreal for you as well. Because the Forrest Gump of nerddom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you went from like watching all of these movies to suddenly participating with some of the yeah. people or places where the... Well, they let you go to that funeral when you're the guy paying for it. <laughs> oh, I guess so. <laughs> well, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I was going to ask you because every time they, I see a picture of, uh, of her headstone, I think, yeah. I wonder if Dana paid for that. <laughs> um, I, I didn't. Uh, what happened was uh, I... Right after she passed away, a relative of hers that uh, no one had known about uh, showed up. Oh. And um, they... Wanted uh, her fortune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That mm. didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they were the legal uh, heirs. So I stepped away and said, okay. I mean, I did... I did uh, uh, <laughs> once all the bills were paid, they stepped oh. in to take authority. Well, of course. And, uh, and so I... Uh, wanted to do a bigger stone with like a sculpture on it and had actually spoken to the guy that had sculpted her uh, garage kit, the one of her on the couch, that famous garage kit. Oh, yeah. And I'd spoke to him about designing a tombstone. And he seemed really into it. And uh, literally like a year later, Colin was like, um, I, I think I, uh, I have a, a sketch I wanted to show you for the, th- I was like, what? <laughs> Dude, this thing's gone. <laughs> yeah. No, you, no, you gotta, you gotta leap on this shit. You can't, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> You're about 11 months late. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, the one thing that, uh, um, 
so no, but I, I love it's a, it's a sweet stone. I, I wish it was something else. And, uh, but one thing that I did do was, uh, I, um, as sort of a joke to myself, uh, she's buried directly in front of Darren McGavin. Oh, really? So wow. he'll be chasing vampires for eternity. <laughs> Cole Shack. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that was a little private joke for me. And that is at Hollywood Forever? Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. They're very lovely people there. Yeah. Now, that place has sort of embraced the whole uh, the whole uh, Hollywood thing of just like, let's have events here. Let's yes, and that's, we had the premiere for Stand Against Evil there. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. We had the, that's right. And, and that was the coolest night of my career. And... Uh, and then they have a Cinespia, which is the, they show movies on the side of one of the buildings all summer. Right. Yeah. I've, I've heard about that as yeah. well. I remember talking to my manager, who's a really funny guy. And uh, they were showing a movie. And I said, hey, this movie that we both liked, I forget what it was. It might have been Dr. Strangelove. And I said, hey, they're showing Dr. Strangelove at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. We should go. He goes, oh, what do they show movies in the cemetery? I go, on that wall of that big mausoleum. He goes, yeah, I, I got a friend in there. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> like, okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh, man. So um, on, on the uh, subject of uh, Plan 9, yeah. how did you end up with one of the original saucers? And how do you know it is? Like, what's the I, oh, I, do, I, can, I do know it is. So, you know, Bob Burns is a famous uh, collector of props and memorabilia. Mm-hmm. He's like the uh, Forey Ackerman without a magazine. Right. Um, he's got the original uh, cane from the Wolfman. Wolfman. He's got the original Wolfman cane. He's got the original King Kong maquette. Oh, he's wow. got the, the, he's got the saucer, from, saucer from Day of the Earth Stood yeah. Still. He's got everything. Yeah. Um, the King Kong of his collection is probably King Kong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he's been known to be collecting stuff since like the, the 50s. Right. You know, and people would always go, well, if you got something, um, just gotta give it to Bob Burns. Yeah. Um, and... He was a sound editor at CBS. That was his day job. And he was Tracy the Gorilla in the Ghostbusters Saturday morning show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's Bob oh, okay. Burns. He's Bob Burns. <laughs> so he gets a call from this uh, special effects company guy that built miniatures and said, uh, hey, uh, we're clearing out some stuff. We found a box of model kits. There's like some airplanes in here and some miniatures. And we were going to just chuck them, but we thought you might want them. You <laughs> thought you might want them. He goes, yeah, I'll take them. And so he goes, and this is probably in the 70s. And he goes down and he gets them. And at the bottom, he sees these two Ravel flying saucer kits. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, wait, these look familiar. Because, yeah, and he knew Ed Wood. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he'd loaned money to Ed Wood. <laughs> um, and got paid back in full. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then he looked at the, in the bottom of the box, was the manifest of all the stuff. And sure enough, it had worked for uh, J. Edward Reynolds. Oh. Uh, Grave Robbers from Outer Space, 1957, right. Flying Saucers. Or 54, ah. I think. I don't know. What yeah, 57, 54. Uh, and then you look and you can see where there's a hole drilled in the top of the bubble. For the wire. For the wire. And then in the bottom, there's a little space where they glued a square. Yeah. Because the live set is square. a square mm-hmm. when they walk into it. And so... I'm sure just the special effects guy on his own volition was like, well, I'll just glue a little square it on there to sort of matches. I don't think Ed cares. Yeah, um, and clearly. Uh, yeah, and he had two of them. And, <clears throat> you know, then I, and, and I just somehow, for whatever reason, became known as, you know, a big Plan 9 fan. And uh, he had one on loan to 
uh, the museum in Seattle. Right. And then I was doing a Plan 9 Live event, and I asked uh, Bob if I could just display the, display the saucer with some other stuff. And, uh, and I did, and, um, uh, and at the end I went to give it back, and he, and he said, uh, no, you keep that. Oh, oh wow! And I literally like talking about it. I get it. Like I literally almost cried. Like I, I didn't. Yeah. Know, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know. <laughs> I, what I to can't do. take this. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I had my friend Steve Bannis, uh, is an actor. He's on. You've seen. He's on Freaks and Geeks and a bunch of stuff. Okay. And he has a company called Gargantua Pics, Gargantua <laughs> Photos, and he's a monster kid. And he goes to. Uh, yard sales and flea markets and buys old photo albums mm-hmm. and scours them for interesting photos. And he's found like this amazing, like, you know, photos of uh, Boris Karloff walking through LAX in 1968 that somebody just took. Like, look, we saw Boris Karloff at the airport. Oh, wow. And uh, he, he found a picture of Lindbergh. Like, he found it was amazing stuff. <laughs> and he found this book of eight by tens that this woman was in an acting class in Pasadena. And everybody in the class gave her their signed photos for each other. And they have their resumes on the back and uh, Ed Woods is in there and you look and it's the famous like studio portrait of Ed Wood mm-hmm. yeah. and it's autographed by Ed and in the back it's before plan nine, but it has like, you know, roles played dialects and, and like plays and it's all in the young sweater girl is a play that he wrote. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's all there. It's all there. And I bought. He said, "You might want this." And I, and I bought it for. Him. I was like, "You, I have to have this. This is this is bananas." Uh, and so I had that. And then years later, I was I was getting divorced. I was, uh, um, you know, kind of scaling down and moving into a new house. And uh, you know, that's getting divorced is not a good year. And uh, oh, I had the lawgiver bust from. Planet of the Apes had a copy of it out yeah. by the swimming pool because mm-hmm. it was Roddy's house. Roddy had the actual Caesar statue from Battle. Oh wow! Wow! Uh, and that was uh, refurbished by my friend uh, Brian Peck. Uh, that is now in what is called Roddy's Rose Garden at the Motion Picture Retirement Home. Oh. Uh, and I replaced it, but I wanted something, so I got a lawgiver bust from this company, Ape Mania. And, uh, <laughs> it's whatever, man. and I had that out by the pool. So I gave away, I gave, so here's the weird thing. So I'm scaling down. So I go to my daughter at the time, uh, who was six. I uh, do you want me to, do you want me to take the, uh, the, the lawgiver statue or do you want to leave it here? And she goes, no, we don't want it. Oh. <laughs> so I said, okay. And I gave it to my friend, uh, Dean Johnson, who is a big apes fan. Uh, and I put it and he put it in his yard. Now, Dean Johnson is married to the actress that plays Cornelia in the new movies, Judy Greer. Oh, wow. Um, which was oh, just okay. another whole thing. Yeah. And she, whenever she sees me, she's happy to remind me that I ruined her backyard. <laughs> my lawgiver statue. And then uh, Bobcat Goldthwait has the tattoo of the photo that I have, the Ed Wood matinee idol photo, the famous one. Uh-huh. Bob yeah. has that tattooed on his arm. Oh, wow. Because Bob thinks of himself as the new Ed Wood. And <laughs> he has a case to make. Yes. Um, and 
and I was scaling down and I just, I said, like, I can't, I can't, you have to have this. You have it tattooed on your body. I can't have it. You have to have it. Yeah. So I gave that picture to Bob and, and I'm convinced that Bob Burns giving me the flying saucer was like the universe congratulating me for giving that photo to Bob. Yeah. Like, oh, you did a nice thing. We'll do something nice for you. <laughs> nice. Uh, but then, so I had given, uh, the lawgiver statue to Dean. I gave the eight by 10 to Goldthwaite. And then Jonah Ray called me up. And I was like, are you all right? And I go, oh. what are you talking about? Cause he goes, well, before people kill themselves, they give away all their stuff. I'm like, no, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> I know you're going through a hard time. Yeah. Was, I mean, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. It was very sweet. Are you sure you're okay? You're yeah. Away a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I like that you mentioned ape mania, this place that does these things. Go <laughs> online, man. Go online. And we're all sitting here like, yeah, that sounds Perfectly normal. Yeah, sure. Ape well, it's sure. That's a company. I've got a Planet of the Apes disc set with a Caesar bust. <laughs> yeah, up on my shelf. You've got that from. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, look, man. It is what it is. <laughs> it, it is. It is funny though. I, like, um, and I, and I wrote this note to myself that uh, it, it, there's a point in your life where you realize that that saying everything you know is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I just found out a couple days ago that you know on the back of Kiss Alive. There's the two girls holding up that poster. Yeah. Those are dudes. What? What? Those are dudes. Those are those are men. Yeah. Huh. I found this out. Wow. How yeah. did you well, find also, this I don't out? think those are real. Those albums are heavily. Oh, they're oh, yeah. Super they engineered. Really alive. Yeah. 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 I think it's what my musician friends call Jive Live. Yeah. <laughs> now, whenever I imitate Paul Stanley, I always do Kiss Alive, Paul Stanley. <laughs> but I like your Bert Lahr, Paul Stanley, much better. <laughs> you know the guy, don't you? I No, I don't know him. I've seen him many times in uh, our neighborhood, Color Me Mine. We were both on, like, we both take our kids to Color Me Mine on the same day. Oh, okay. They don't yeah. go to school. It's, it's No. But okay. it, 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 yeah, I don't know if it's Bert Lahr or whoever. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something You're like really that. painting the dickens out of that mushroom. He's <laughs> <laughs> very sweet, man. He's very sweet. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. You can tell by the way he talks to his kid. Like, oh, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. 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 I, and I always imagine him more like, y'all need to get in the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So great to be here in your town. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, we're going to be late for sherbet. Or no, it would be frozen yogurt. <laughs> I was talking to somebody backstage before, and they told me a lot of you kids like to eat frozen yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Stanley, Dad of the Year. We're all going to get Froyo after. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that would be a great puppet show. It would be like it would be the one Paul Stanley and the other Paul Stanley. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Gene is supposedly not as a hail fellow well met as Paul is. Uh, No, he's too in love with making money. Yeah, he's a he's the yeah he's all about money. He's one of those guys. His passion's making money. Yeah. yeah, and and you know when I you like is that garbage? I could sign it. It's not garbage. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, these guys could do no wrong. They're the best, and it just turns out like some of them were normal dudes. Some of them had problems, and one of them just is in love with money. Yep. Yeah, you know, don't don't learn too much about your heroes. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> don't meet your heroes. <laughs> yeah. So um, I also left. Uh, I wrote a note here that. Uh, uh, in Southland Tales, 
you you uh, southbound or southbound. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. it's Southland, southbound. Uh, you give this blessing <laughs> at dinner, yeah. and I was thinking, damn, if you couldn't be back uh, with your family at Thanksgiving and be like, hey, could I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Bill Paxton in that. Oh, are um, you? <laughs> yeah, I needed one of the um, if you before Bill passed. Um, I wanted to have like a, a, a an interesting character for this guy and. He speaks in a very rounded way, in the way that Bill would, right. and very warm, like Andy Griffith almost. Yeah, I thought that was a really creepy way for like a David Koreshi kind of cult leader to talk. Oh God! I'm so glad to be here eating with all of you tonight. <laughs> really creepy. Yeah, that movie really surprised me. This movie's so good. It's the best movie I'm in. Yeah, I really so enjoyed great. it. I rewatched yeah. it actually earlier today. Oh really? Yeah, and Susan Burke, who co-wrote that segment. Um, is also one of those Stand Against Evil writers. Oh, yeah. how cool. Yeah. Everybody sort of uh, reunites in this moving pack of uh, yep. Yeah, people. it's a small, It's yeah, it's like anything else. It's like musicians, like, you know, like Pete Townsend is all over uh, Tattoo You, oh, yeah. the album. Yeah. Right. And it's just, yeah, they're friends. <laughs> you know, like anybody, you have your 30 friends. And yeah, like Eben Schletter does the music for Stand Against Evil because he's the guy I know that's a composer. <laughs> you know, I was like, it was Eben, Eben from going to the movies. <laughs> right. yeah. He happens to be a genius, so I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And not just your neighbor who can kind of play the keyboards. Exactly. No, he's quite brilliant. I yeah. gave Eben, for the music on uh, Stand Against Evil, I gave him Robert Cobert's House of Dark Shadows soundtrack. Oh. And I said, I wanted it to sound like this. When people think it's a period piece, they think it's in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And they think it's synthed up and a lot of primary colors. And they think it's Stranger Things. It's like, no, this is a period piece, but it's early 70s. I want this to look like a TV movie from 1973. Okay. Yeah. And that's the color, like a Dan Curtis trilogy of terror. House of Dark Shadows. That's what I want it to look and sound like and feel like. But not as far as Jess Franco levels. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. We talk about Jess Franco a lot. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, and yeah. TV movies. Oh, yeah. And TV movies. I love uh, Satan's School for Girls. Satan's School for Girls? <laughs> That's a with, uh, with, uh, don't Shelley Winters, I believe? Is she? No, she's in another one. Oh, yeah. it's, it's um, uh, Yvonne DiCarlo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, one of the Charlie's Angels. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think there's right. two Charlie's Angels. Yeah, yeah, there's two. There's Cheryl Ladd is in it. Cheryl Ladd and... and um, the, the brunette. Kate Jackson? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Who was also on Dark Shadows. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's really funny when you uh, start looking at... That would at be a great just sign. Like, Satan School for Girls and an Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, like, these, uh, these school kids crossing signs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just look a little evil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah those, those... Slow, they have the, they Satan have the... School for Girls. Yeah. Slow. Slow. <laughs> and they have the, sun, they have the same uh, mascot as the Arizona Sun Devils. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that movie I watched recently, Ants, was pretty amazing. That was one of those made-for-TV yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bug movies. Oh, man. That was, it's so funny. The Arizona Sun Devil, when the Pope gave a sermon in the stadium in Tempe, Arizona, where the Arizona Sun Devils played, they covered up the, oh, okay. the image of the devil because the Pope was talking there. But it's a little baby. It's a red baby yeah. Yeah, right. with horns and a pitchfork. Right. It's, and you, but they think the Pope was really like, my enemy! <laughs> when the Pope came to Denver, there was a church on Colfax that got hit by lightning. <laughs> oh, man. 
good. Oh, man. <laughs> so I, I had uh, a, a friend of mine's uh, daughter ask me this question because she knows I'm really into horror movies uh-huh. and her, her folks don't know as much stuff as I do. Uh, and she's a, she's an aspiring writer, mm-hmm. and I think she's like 15 now. Um, but Ziggy asked me, uh, now, if the human body is more than 70% water, and if a priest were to bless you, <laughs> would you be impervious to vampires? Mm. And I started thinking, as a, as a conceit for a movie, that would be kind of interesting. Oh, that is a good idea. Yeah, like, is there some way to, like... You're made of holy water. You just keep hydrating with more holy water. <laughs> You've been blessed. And then uh, the vampire bites you and goes, ow, 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 Yeah, I gotta wonder, like, how would that work? I always, well, my answer to that is, that's what hangs you up? <laughs> that's what hangs you up? Yeah. What's going on in the rest of the story? Yeah, yeah that's, that's where you stopped. <laughs> Like I was, I was writing this thing, but I couldn't get past this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's yeah. no, it's like Star Wars. Well, there's no sound or explosions in space. That yeah, yeah. That's, or wizards. That's how you know it's fake. <laughs> or space there's wizards. No wizards yeah. There's no wizards in why space. Why don't they just pro? Why don't they just program R two to speak English? By the way, right. <laughs> how hard is that? Yeah. <laughs> because it shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah. The, no. The gold one seems to do fine. Yeah, so, they all yeah. do fine. I always thought that was Roddy McDowell when I was a kid. It was very Roddy McDowellish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he I mean, moved in that way, and I guess it's still him. Oh, yeah, really? it's still yeah. Anthony Daniels. Yeah. Oh wow. God bless him. He's uh Did you see owned the new, did you Disney, see the new uh, Star Wars? I did not. I did not see the last yeah. Yeah, Jedi. Well, did you like it? Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I think yeah. it was one of the better sequels. I, yeah. I I burned down on uh The Force Awakens and was like, <laughs> I'm not going to any more of these in the theater. Mm-hmm. I think they've I, got me like four times now that I've been <laughs> less than thrilled. Yeah, well it's it's like anything else. When you get it every year, you just say, it's like the yeah. Olympics. Like, right. Are you excited about the Olympic? No, I no. They, Although, they started. Uh, did, did they end? Did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I always thought Christmas should be moved to a four-year plan. That would like, be perfect. You know, that would be perfect. <laughs> and we can get a president every other every year. Well, that would be great. There, there we <laughs> yeah. go. We we'll switch them. Swatch them. <laughs> yeah. Make them work for it. Be very, very. That would be very helpful right now. <laughs> so, in recent years, what are some small-budget horror movies you've seen that kind of really surprised you? Um. Uh, it would. God. Well, we talked about <laughs> the ones that I'm in. Yes. Um, I've what the things that have really surprised me is I've availed myself of a lot of Japanese and Korean uh, cinema that uh, I otherwise was unaware of. Like mm-hmm. uh, it, this is probably a couple years old, but Infection. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Okay. Uh, all right. I, I think that's just amazing. A lot of the um, and the uh, there was just a, when I just saw and I'm I'm blanking on the title um uh, attack on titan i think is uh you know that's a big movie but yeah um like i can't believe that's not just universally beloved here in america like it's just mind mind numbing how good that is mm-hmm. and um yes yeah, so i've been watching a lot of asian cinema and that is really uh i just it's so good yeah it's so good um in terms of a recent low budget um, movies. I have to say, I, I loved uh, Mike Mendez's "Don't Kill It." Mm. I don't know if you've seen. I haven't that. Seen I've that not yet. seen that one yet. Yeah, it's great. It, it's such a. It's just an alien form takes possession of your body. You become a homicidal maniac. 
Oh, okay. And wow. the person that kills the homicidal maniac, the force goes into you. Oh, oh. okay. So you, the whole thing is this is monster and you can't kill it. Oh. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Really great. So it's like shocker only good. It's shocker only good, and it, it stars. Um, That's on the box. It stars Dolph. It stars Dolph Lundgren. Oh wow! wow. And uh, it's terrific. And I this is an arm of it. I'm watching The Villainous, which oh. is also fantastic. Uh, it has Asian. great stunts in that. Yeah, it's, it's. There's no way that first shot is one shot. But I don't know. But it's so funny. The first shot is just this. It's like a first-person shooter version of this. Japanese girl or I guess Korean, Korean girl, yeah, Korean girl going into this like mafia house and just decimating everybody. So oh, have wow. you watched the Raid movies? The wh- Raid? No. The Indonesian films, but the the director's Welsh, but he he's working in Indonesia. Yeah. And uh, they they have these fantastic extended fight scenes, which has influenced a lot of martial arts now, where they're going. Uh, the camera's just spinning around, and it seems to be all one shot. Yeah. He's actually cutting on the blur. That's what it had to be because it's funny. My my girlfriend and she's not you know she's not a girl. She's a woman, but <laughs> there's, there's no appropriate. So she's woman. Over, she's over over eighteen. She's over eighteen. She's an adult. She has children. She's an adult. Functional adult owns a house, um, uh, but she's an editor. Mm-hmm. And so we were watching Villainous, and she was just at sudden point she just went, "Where's the cut?" <laughs> she yeah. was, was driving her crazy. Show her Hitchcock's rope. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was really fascinating to see. Like to see, it's like the way I watch comedies. Like I watch how they're assembling the joke and watching the algorithms of the joke, and then watching it with an editor. She's like looking for the cuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I told my nephew Johnny about uh, Rope because he's like. What, what's my next Hitchcock I should watch? I'm like, um, well, here's a few, but Rope is interesting because it's a one Yeah. But the magazine at the time, I think... Uh, the ten limit minutes. Was, it was like 10 or... Yeah, eight, eight or 10 eight, minutes. Eight, yeah. yeah, it was like super short. Yeah. And Hitchcock was like, well, it's going to be a one You know, yeah. he's like, he's going to do this his way, uh, even if it's not yeah. possible. And he's like, well, here's how it's possible. And I told him about that. And he's like, that's amazing. If I didn't know that, I would think it was a well-rehearsed one Yeah. the whole movie. You just think it was a good, slow movie. Yeah. <laughs> like Gus, thing, Gus Van Sant. That, the thing that you learned from Rope is that cuts are good. <laughs> Some things don't need to be seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like Ed Wood. You don't need to tell me how you made the Dick Dorobo. You, you don't need to go into the Dick Dorobatory. We, we know. They talk English. It's fine. It's how yeah. people talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a funny, it, going back to Planet of the Apes, in uh, Charlton Heston's book of his journals called The Actor's Life, which is very entertaining. Uh, it's just his journals. And he's mm-hmm. talking about a production meeting on apes. And they're going, should we, should we, should we go in, should we, deal in the script with why the apes speak English he's like no it's it's the movies people everybody talks English <laughs> exactly the That's audience speaks English the people are going to talk English just leave it alone you're hung up on that yeah yeah that's where you got stuck again space wizards didn't yeah. do it for that you that didn't tip you off uh, one of the recent uh, low budget movies that that uh, that we discovered I think it was from actually 2004 14 or 2013 was coherence have you seen that one no no I haven't. okay do you have shutter that's that's one of those subscription services i know what it is i don't have it it's actually really good yeah yeah i yeah. was like i was skeptical at first but it's really yeah. good coherence i know is available on there but that one is pretty amazing i think they made it for like 60 grand god love them yeah, yeah. and yeah. shot it over about five days the, mostly ad-libbed yeah and that's and the then, other one i wanted to mention too was the battery which uh, somebody mentioned on your 
podcast, The Battery, but they couldn't remember the name of it. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 that zombie movie with the two guys with the baseball bat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and definitely check that one out. Oh, yeah. cool. Good one. Yeah. I was, because I, I was burned out on zombie movies. If <laughs> yeah, I, I never too, see I a do. zombie movie again. Yeah. And then you, he uh, yeah. told me, watch The Battery. I was yeah. like, oh, not another yeah. zombie movie. Train to Busan. And then he came nah. back the next Yeah, Train to Busan, they always, there's always... One that will like, no, nah, no, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's the same with the battery. You're like, right. two guys with like $6,000 made a movie. Zombies are attacking them, and they're holed up in a car. Yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. like, how did they make that work? But yeah. they totally, they, you Cujo know. with zombies. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the pitch. <laughs> Cujo with zombies. So what are we going to do different with our zombie movie? Yeah, I love those um, Make it good. Yeah. What's your pitch? Black Jaws. I love it. Black Jaws. <laughs> oh, I want to see that now. Yeah, exactly. It's Ice Cube and <laughs> they're on a boat. <laughs> we, we talked about we talked about Anaconda and, and it's it's an amazing bad movie. Yeah, it is a man amazing bad movie. Yeah, and, and there's some stuff like I, I grew up in, in uh, construction work and uh, and just something like the anaconda hitting the bottom of that of that shed and the nails all flying up out of the boards <laughs> and i just see stuff like that and it's like i'm not going to suspend my disbelief yeah. for the big fucking snake if those nails are going to come yeah. out of the board that way my my memory of that movie i went to see that movie in the theater and there was a, a guy uh, um, who brought his kid and they were sitting behind us and then quickly he realized that the kid was way too young to be in the movie and they were Latino, and every time the monster would come, he would cover his kid's eyes, and so every time the monster would come, all he would hear is, Mira la anaconda! Mira la anaconda! <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the little boy from the Godzilla movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Mira la anaconda! So funny. Uh, so in um, that documentary, uh, Hail to the King? Yes. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the different points of view covering... Uh, King Kong and, every, <laughs> yeah. and everyone's history with it. And uh, I got to say, though, um, there are, as far as uh, monster movie fans and mm-hmm. as far as horror movie people, uh, there are two kinds of people. People who really just can't get over the Toho Kong and see, I love the toe, <laughs> and people who embrace it. Yeah, and I love that movie. And, I love that movie. Yeah, and you said as much in the in the uh, documentary. But I think you know the place where I get hung up on it is the sculpt of the head. That's it. <laughs> if they'd done a, a, a yeah. different sculpt, yeah, uh, it probably... looks like a melting snowman <laughs> I mean, this, I covered in fur. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what was going on in that. My favorite thing, and I think that's in the documentary, is just the casual line. Well. Godzilla's a reptile, and electricity can hurt him. Yeah. Godzilla's a mammal, so it makes him stronger. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, yes. it's the Sound. shocker logic. <laughs> Sound. So if you want to make a... Yeah, uh, don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> yeah, if you electrocute an ape, it gets stronger. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, Everybody knows Everybody knows. <laughs> this <is a> random <laughs> rule. Yeah. You can't say that. I remember my second grade teacher writing that on the board. Yeah. <laughs> If you need to get a gorilla stronger, just electrocute him. I think Ben Franklin discovered that when he <laughs> tied a gorilla to a kite. When he t- yeah, he tied a gorilla to a kite. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, That's you'd amazing. be a much better history teacher, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it interesting for the kids, you know? Oh, uh, do you, do you uh, hear much from your kids about like the teaching style today versus back in our day? No. I, where they go is... Uh, 
I actually had a very good public education mm-hmm. uh, before that public education was annihilated yeah. because uh, people didn't want to pay property taxes. I was lucky too. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but they, you know, they go to, my kids are in a really good, fortunately they're in really good schools and um, they work them. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty yeah. smart. They're pretty bright. Um, didn't Vincent Price come by your school? I met Vincent Price went by my university. I went to University of Massachusetts, and he spoke at my uh, acting class. And I did shake oh, his fantastic. hand. Fantastic. Yeah, I got to shake his hand. Wow. Like, oh. Yeah. So you realize that you've just improved our six degrees of separation. <laughs> all this. I, I didn't know what to say to him, but right. I needed to say something. So uh, I said, uh, um, uh, I, I, I think I said... I grew up reading famous monsters, so uh, I've, I have, I've seen you a, a lot or something like that. And he's, Forrest Ackerman's a very dear man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to love Vincent uh, yeah. Price. In and out, in and out. Yeah. He, he did such a great job hawking all of those things back in the 70s. He like, would do any, but he was, yeah, he, and he, was, he was all about paying bills. <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah. yeah um, have you been to his gallery? No, no, no. But... Uh, He's, uh, he had a great attitude, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 He only got to make money off Roger Corman. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Roger's very cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how he got so much work done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I always, I always think back to like, he had that hangman game and yeah. he, and he had the shrunken head, head apple sculpture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. the shrunken head kit. Direct your own gallery of shrunken heads. <laughs> yeah. I had them both. Did you? And you let sure. them go? Yeah. It all went away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Shrunken head apple sculpture was a cool ass. That was a great idea. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. My Planet of the Apes action figures were all in this really super uh, village that I made on a dirt hill. And uh, (laughs) it turned out that dirt hill was meant for backfill and something that my dad was doing behind our house with this land that we had. And I never found a single one of them after oh, they got pushed. All the all the apes got washed out. Yeah, uh, they they got pushed into the ground. Those are terrible sculpts. They weren't. It's good. all right. They, it's <laughs> all right. The reissues. I mean, starting with Todd McFarlane toys and going yeah. going forward. Yeah. Uh, action figures have leveled up majorly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the last batch. I, I don't know who did them, but the sculpts are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, those are <laughs> I, I, I want to see a Joe Dante movie about a house haunted by, because it's built on the site of an ape figurine. <laughs> a, bull, a bulldozed ape village. Yeah, um, small ape soldiers, I think it could be called. Yeah. <laughs> There's your pitch. <laughs> that would totally work. Yeah. I, I do have some Simpsons questions, if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, got, I've yeah. got one. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, were you the Simpsons writer who... who you were being filmed and you went into a comic shop, you pulled out an issue of G Fan magazine, opened it up, and there's a center spread of yes. one of the androids. Yes. <laughs> I That's did that center work. spread. Wow. <laughs> Small <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah, because that, I believe that was the issue of G Fan that had the hate mail from the Broderick okay. film. Yeah. Uh, that, I, that we had. On the in the writers' room that we would just read occasionally a lot of these furious, oh. and that was the one where uh, uh, Ralph Wiggum went into the adults only section, and then you just hear 
everybody's hugging. <laughs> <laughs> so you were on the you were writing on the show for years. Uh, uh, yeah, two thousand to two thousand eight, I guess. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. So th- that was during uh, when they had the John Waters episode, right? Or was that after you? It uh, might have been after me. Okay. Or one, during me. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a blur. <laughs> yeah. I do remember the cool people I met. I met the the cool people that we met. Like I met Elvis Costello, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Patrick McGowan, oh, wow. which was cool. Uh, yeah. Those are the. You know, those are the ones that like I wanted to meet. And then the other, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger came out. Yeah, but Patrick McGowan was here last week. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so because The Simpsons made such a great uh, impact on television and redefined what animation meant to people. Yeah. Um, and it shaped, you know, the pop culture of the 90s sure. so much. Um, knowing that you influenced the show, did the show kind of in turn influence your comedy? Oh, 100%. I, ma- yeah. I learned how to be a writer. At on the, the Simpsons. Simpsons, yeah, absolutely. So, and my stand-up too is heavily. It's I'm a much better, a much different, and a much better stand-up now than I was before that. Uh, you know, the the, the level of uh, of my writing and approach to jokes and structure was you can't like be there for that long and not soak some of it in. Yeah, right. yeah. What episode? Just going the extra mile is basically the premise. Just now that you have the first joke. Now use that as the jumping yeah. off point for something better. And what, what are your favorite episodes that you uh, worked on? Um, well, my favorite episode I didn't work on was the monorail. I thought that was my favorite. <laughs> monorail. Episode. Yeah. That's monorail. Just, Conan wrote that. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you do Stop the Planet of the Apes? No. I had the idea for Planet of the Apes the musical, it was, and, but we didn't do it. Then they had it. Um, and that was David X. Cohen, I think, wrote most of that. Yeah. And uh, did a much better job than I would have done. Oh. I would have. I could not come up with, I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee <laughs> to chimpanzee. <laughs> I'm not that good. I'm totally honest with you. <laughs> but I loved, um, I mean, I loved all the Halloween episodes. I loved the Omega Man Halloween episode. Oh, I didn't yeah, work on that a, one either. That's that a was really good one. Season eight, I believe. Um, I loved the, uh, of my episodes... My favorite one was uh, Goo Goo Guy Pam when they went to China. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was and that's one. based on you adopting your daughter. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to do that. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's pretty cool. I, I loved her. Her. You said it on the podcast where you mentioned you, you, that episode was on. You were like, look, this is the episode based on you. And she said... I prefer Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I like Bob's Burgers. <laughs> That's a perfect yeah. teenage okay. thing to say. Yeah, okay. So there, there's like three stages with kids, right? Dad's so funny. Uh, dad thinks he's so funny. And dad, <laughs> yeah. Dad's not, dad's not funny. Not, yeah. yeah. Um, who's your favorite secondary character on uh, Simpsons? Well, I, I guess you would be, I, I, assuming he's a secondary character, Mo. I always loved Mo. <laughs> yeah, Mo. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was a bartender too, so I always oh, loved okay. an affinity to Mo. <laughs> I love the Flame and Moe's uh, episode. Written by Rob Cohen, who was oh. a, a director on Stand Against Evil. Oh, wow. Yep. And, my, and whose office I crashed on the Ben Stiller show. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. you, All right. You, you hire only the best people. Rob, well, Rob and Everett, we also did a show on MTV called Super Adventure Team that was, a, oh, was basically yeah. Team America before <laughs> Team America. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Rob and I do a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot together. And he wrote Flaming Moe's. Yeah. All right. And the hard, yeah. the hardcore fans, uh, some of them complain that The uh, Simpsons has declined over the years. Uh, do you agree? And uh, I haven't really watched the show since I left. Oh, okay. But 
the Simpsons was how al- the sausage is made. Exactly. <laughs> but the Simpsons is always the best when you first started watching it. Yes. It's right. like your favorite James Bond is the James Bond that was in the, the best Saturday when you Night Live yeah. was when you were in yeah. high school. So that's just a uni- that's just a universal thing. People have been saying the Simpsons has gone downhill since season four. Right. Yeah. And they're all wrong. And yeah, it's just it's an organic thing. It goes in cycles. Sure, it is. So I thought the Boston episode was as good as any episode. You know, <laughs> I, I saw that one because I'm in it. Oh. <laughs> this is I am. <laughs> yeah. Is it kind of surreal going back to to Boston, uh, having lived out in uh, California? Yeah, so long? it's a different planet. It's yeah. just a different planet. Yeah. So yeah, it's like watching. You know, it's. Sometimes you just turn on Fox News to see what they're talking about, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my God, there's this whole other world out there. It's just a completely different planet. This is just yeah. bizarre. And it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the day Trump gets impeached, the headline on Fox News will be Tree Sap to Maple Syrup, <laughs> an in depth report. I did enjoy what uh, one of your. Uh, one of your tweets that said, uh, I think Fox is probably talking about great summer salad recipes. Today. <laughs> yeah, it's really true. Well, and then you go there and they are. There was yeah, like, yeah, because like, they did something like that. I can't remember what it was. but Just last week when, you know, it was one of the 17 things that happened last week. Yeah. They did. The woman went to a chocolate factory. Yeah. <laughs> to get dive a chocolate. Oh, good. I'm glad she, we know. She won the golden ticket. Exactly. Cool. Well, I guess uh, yeah, did, we should we, wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah, are we, any other yeah. questions before? I gotta uh, save my voice. Oh, I gotta I, do two yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. two shows tonight, and I'm losing my voice. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it easy. we don't we don't want to shred you. I wanted to hear about Vincent Price. But... Oh yeah, well, you, well, you got the you got the whole deal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, Dana, thank you so much for your time. And, oh my pleasure. And, and Thanks I, for having me on. Yeah, and I know the listeners uh, really enjoy uh, hearing somebody new who uh, maybe they've heard of before. Yeah, and I have a podcast, uh, Dana Gould Hour. But if you like this podcast. You would probably like Stand Against Evil, which is on, yeah. uh, on Hulu now, and season three premieres on IFC in November of 2018, if that's the year Fantastic. we're in Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So listen. One of, one of the shows on my ever-growing list of shows to watch, because <laughs> TV won't stop. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So many good things to see. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get through... Uh, Dark? What was it, the German Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. that's on there too. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. seen it. Yeah. Watch that one. It was good. Yeah. So. Well, so we'll, uh, well, we'll thank cut you it. very, very yeah, much. Thanks yes. so this much, Dana. Fantastic. My pleasure. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for listening. And stay, stay off, off the, the moors. moors. <laughs>